This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the newest edition in the Compliance Podcast Network, my latest podcast, Compliance and Coronavirus. As the voice of compliance, I wanted to start a podcast which will help bring both clarity and sanity to the field of compliance, the compliance practitioner, and indeed the compliance profession during this worldwide health and healthcare crisis taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events, to the role of the board of directors, to crisis management, to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. In this episode, Matt Kelly and I visit about the Commonwealth of Massachusetts requirement that companies attest with a signed attestation that they are eligible and ready to open after COVID-19. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again for another episode. And of course, we have the coolest guy in compliance, Matt Kelly. Today, we're going to take up a COVID-19 topic because it's apropos for Matt in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and that is their new attestation. So first of all, uh, Matt, welcome. And uh, what is going on in terms of COVID-19 attestation in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts? Yeah. Hi, Tom. Well, so this is some interesting news here. So where we are in Massachusetts is as of Monday, May 18, the governor here, Charlie Baker, he unveiled his reopening plan. And Massachusetts has been hit very hard by COVID-19. I saw a statistic. I think if you track the number of deaths, we are in third place behind New York and New Jersey. So Massachusetts has had a lot of COVID-19 concerns for quite some time. And the governor unveiled this staggered plan, as we have seen in many other states. Um, It's going to be in four phases. We have just started phase one, uh, where various businesses can open to various degrees. For example, Construction sites can reopen as of today. Offices can reopen, I believe, as of this week or definitely by May 25th, but at a 25% occupancy cap. And then if that goes great, you get more businesses that will reopen in June, such as day camps or school playgrounds. Um, And it's a staggered thing where more businesses that are more interpersonal will open later. And the businesses that had opened first under tight caps will have looser caps. So while we're reopening gyms in July, offices can go up to 50% occupancy, stuff like that. So here we've got this big, huge chart, and it applies to all businesses. And then there's this. Every business in Massachusetts must also have a COVID-19 attestation, which is basically a workplace poster that says the business has taken four steps as a part of its reopening. Um, Workers are wearing face coverings and practicing social distancing. Hand washing capabilities are provided and employees are regularly sanitizing high touch areas. Staff have retrieved, received training over social distancing and hygiene, and the company has thorough cleaning and disinfecting protocols. So those are the four things. They're in a checklist, and you have to check every one on this poster. Somebody has to sign it, and then it has to be displayed prominently in a place where workers and customers can see it both. Um, so I guess also if you're like in a office setting of some kind, it probably has to be in the reception area. If you're a restaurant, it might have to be in the front window. 
things like that. Um, I have not seen any other state do an attestation requirement like that yet. I may be wrong because we've got an awful lot of uh, reopening plans that are going on out there. And if anybody has heard of a similar attestation requirement, please let me know. Uh, There's not any clear penalty if you don't do this. For example, the state is not going to um, impose a large penalty. But if people come onto your premises, they do not see the attestation, they can report you to the local board of health, or maybe a local health inspector is on site. If they see that you do not have it, they can cite you for that. And repeated scoff laws apparently will get some sort of penalty. Now, how much is it? I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a million dollars. Um, but that is one thing that we must do in Massachusetts. And the other requirement here is that all businesses must have written COVID-19 policies. And you can download a easy two-page template from the state that you can fill out. I've, I have a link to it on my site. It's pretty easy to, to see what it is. Um, you don't actually have to list what all of the detailed policies are. You just list that the broad categories and that you have them. The written policies must be kept on site at every single business. So if you're a retailer with, say, a dozen different stores in Massachusetts, every single store needs a copy of the policies and it needs a signed uh, attestation somewhere on the premises. And that's what we have to do here in Massachusetts. And so I thought it was interesting because now we've seen the documentation and um, policy requirements are starting to come through on COVID-19 and the reopening. And, and that's where we are. But there are a couple of things that struck me about this. One is uh, uh, my observation has been that most states are trying to put together a thoughtful, thought out plan, even if you and I might disagree with some of the factual basis they're making their decisions on. But it's not a perhaps with one or two exceptions. It's not a reopening of everything. It's a phased reopening, uh, going allowing some businesses to reopen with appropriate or some protections in place and moving forward, uh, if that is successful, to uh, allowing a larger or wider opening. The, uh, the thing, though, that intrigues me that you've uh, noted is the attestation. And from a consumer public perspective, not simply as podcast host extraordinaire, uh, I find the attestation uh, is an appropriate mechanism for both uh, you and I as a consuming public, but also as the government for regulatory purposes uh, to have something in place that someone says we are attesting that we have complied with these rules. As to enforcement, um, I might point towards instead of a fine or penalty uh, for businesses that have licenses to do business, you know, if they have uh, multiple uh, violations, uh, perhaps their license could be uh, uh, put on probation or revoked, and that would certainly get uh, people's attention. Uh, and then the the other compliance part that you've also noted is that there is a uh, COVID-19 compliance template or policy, I uh, should say, uh, where the government has provided a template uh, for a company to both educate its employees and test its own uh, compliance with uh, the COVID-19 reopening requirements in Massachusetts. Um, so from the 
compliance perspective, I, I see a, a thought out plan, a well thought out plan with um, communications and, and if plus probably training and then a way to monitor that uh, on a go forward basis. Yeah, and I would say as much as we kind of glossed over the policies in the two-page template, this is more complicated than it first looks. And here's how, is that um, you have your attestation poster. I have a picture of it on my uh, blog post for this. You know, that's very simple. Um, but then it one of the checkboxes there is that our staff has received training regarding social distancing and hygiene protocols. Now, there's a lot of underneath that we've received training about hygiene and social distancing. And then there is the two-page template policies, which basically just also says we are training our employees on applicable regulations and requirements. Now, what are those applicable regulations and requirements? Well, that's the other part that I hadn't mentioned yet, is that in Massachusetts, at least, the governor has um, compiled detailed industry-specific requirements and regulations for hygiene for hair salons, for restaurants, for construction sites, for churches and houses of worship, um, you name it, there is going to be a rather detailed list that none of this stuff actually explicitly um, covers. But implicitly, where you say the employees have received proper training. Well, what does that mean? It means we went to the state guidelines, we downloaded them all, and that's a lot of stuff. So I will pick on uh, hair salons, for example, since they're opening right away and I do need a haircut, um, is that hair salons must reconfigure their operations so that no area is within six feet of another person. And it is by appointment only. And that sounds easy if it is a solo practitioner, but if it is a hair salon facility of, I don't know, anything more than about two or three people, well, then how are you going to reconfigure common areas? How are you going to reconfigure where people might wash their hair at sink stations, which typically are four or five within a 10-foot span? So you're going to need to think through how do we stagger appointments? How do we take care of some very basic operations that we'd never had to thought about before? Um, that is all the behind-the-scenes stuff that is glossed over in the two-page template and the attestation where it just says, we have the policies in place and we've trained employees, check. But there's a lot more that goes into it. And then we do have these uh, enforcement issues, which, as you say, you know, it could lead to problems with licensing. Maybe it could lead to um, problems with business insurance. Um, I would maybe question how are you going to do this if you are a larger corporation with many different locations? Um, the state has made clear that uh, having one set of policies that is housed somewhere and everybody gets to download it and look at it as they like, that's not sufficient. You need written policies on the premises of every place where you are doing business. Um, likewise, with the, the poster, um, I've, to my thinking, I haven't actually seen one of these yet. They've just came out yesterday, but this is probably a lot like if you've ever been to New York City, you see those letter grades that restaurants have to put in the window about their cleanliness and the hygiene. Um, it's going to be a lot like that. These things are going to be very prominent 
everybody's going to get to see them. And if you don't have it all checked off, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb, kind of like a restaurant that has a C or a D rating for cleanliness. Nobody's going to eat there. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that is going on underneath the, the cute posters that we have that is still going to be a complex compliance challenge. And that's just within this state. And there are 49 other states that everybody, a large company, is going to have to think about. So there's suddenly there's a lot of moving parts here that we have to appreciate. Uh, one other um, area that you touched on in your blog post is, I'm going to call it enforcement, but it's it's not governmental or regulatory enforcement. It is societal enforcement, and that's through mm-hmm. reputation and reputational damage. And you point out that, once again, with social media does not uh, cause a reputational uh, disaster to occur. It amplifies the facts, which move the uh, the issue to a much broader base of people who can then react. And that if someone or if an organization or if a company uh, does not have <clears throat> the appropriate uh, attestation in place, that it, it could be broadcast on social media can uh, certainly hurt the reputation of a restaurant. But with your just your most current or just your last thoughts about um, how the cleanliness issue and hygiene and sanitary uh, scores are presented in New York City, um, I guess I'm less concerned about abuse in the social media realm. Do you uh, feel the same way or, or, or differently under this circumstance? Well, I mean, the the point that struck me was that when you give people something else to complain about, they will complain about it. And that that is what we have done here with the attestation is companies are being told to show that they take this COVID-19 threat seriously and they are implementing hygiene policies. And now you're going to have to attest to it as soon as that happens. There's going to be some population out there who are going to say, well, no, you didn't, or I saw somebody didn't wash their hands, or it doesn't look clean to me, or something like that. Um, you know, employees may wind up calling about these issues on your whistleblower hotline. So you have to think about how are we going to receive these complaints? Are we going to investigate them or not? Um, and then also, uh, like, in social media enforcement by social media is going to become a thing. And that is the sort of issue that gives general counsels and uh, marketing people and CEOs and board members headaches. If there, uh, some incident of cleanliness or lack thereof is captured on social media and blasted on Twitter. And, um, you know, it's, is it going to lead to a big state investigation and a million dollar fine because you didn't have enough hand washing stations? No, but is it going to be a really irritant, irritating distraction for a few days as you try and implement all sorts of remedial training or clean up a couple of offices or locations that are especially troublesome? It's going to be a distraction. Uh, I don't know exactly how this is going to manifest with whistleblower complaints or social media uh, takedowns or whatnot, but it's going to. And compliance officers would have to think about how will we accommodate that force of nature as we move forward with these attestations, because sure as, you know, thunder follows lightning, um, this is going to happen is once we give people an opportunity to complain, some portion of them, they will complain about this. I guess I see the health and safety issue as more paramount than uh, any uh, nuisance grief that a company might get uh, from a complaint that goes viral on social media. And if it turns out the complaint is well-founded, I'm much more sympathetic to, uh, as a 
member of the consuming public having that information and not uh, frequenting or going to that store, not that I would drive to Massachusetts to to purchase something uh, over the next few months, but if I was in Massachusetts, that's actually a piece of information I'd want to consider uh, in my risk analysis. Yeah. I mean, I, as a citizen in Massachusetts, I am all for this. Um, it, I, I realize that it is, it will be not terribly onerous for companies. It will be more onerous than it looks. Uh, the, what the materials that the state has put out almost look like pictograms. They're that simple. But when you peel away the first few layers of the pretty poster and the simple template, there are going to be a lot of policies and procedures you're going to have to fit in. Um, Kind of harkens back to a few weeks ago when you and I talked about Smithfield Foods and uh, how it was going to have to retrofit a lot of its operations in its meatpacking plants in one way or another to hopefully lesser degrees. A lot of businesses are going to have to do that. Um, and I am in favor of it as a citizen. And when I say a oh, complaint, it's more just in sort of a term of art for people will be reporting about how accurate your attestations are compared to the facts on the ground they see. But we are going to see people calling up hotlines and say, I saw this and it seems to run counter to your attestation, or I did not receive training, or we haven't installed the right kind of um, hand-washing stations, regardless of what we're saying and what we're posting in the windows. That's going to happen, and compliance officers would be remiss if they don't start thinking now about how do we handle that when it does happen. So, Matt, do you know when this requirement goes live and when there may begin to be a partial reopening uh, along the lines that you've detailed in your blog post? That is an excellent question. I am assuming that it must be done before you actually reopen. Um, So hair salons are allowed to reopen as of this week. They do not have to reopen. And the governor has made clear that you may not reopen until you have all of your hygiene protocols lined up and all the ducks are in a row. Um, this is one of the ducks, is the attestation requirement, as is the, uh, the policies that you have. You can use the template. You don't have to use the template. You do have to have written policies on the premises uh, for every single business uh, premises that you operate in Massachusetts. But you have to get all of that done before you open up. And you can only open up when the state allows you per the phased schedule. So construction sites are, I know one is reopened because I heard them making a ruckus earlier today. Um, some of the, the, the less interpersonal reaction you have in your business, the earlier you can reopen. Lab spaces, they get to reopen now. Um, gyms, restaurants, bars, that's all july at the earliest um but they'll all have to have these uh documentation requirements done before they can open their doors assuming that the phased schedule allows them to open the doors at all so do you uh have any appreciation of what the governor or the state's decision making process was uh, for this does he have a a group a group uh either an ad hoc committee or another group of trusted advisors where they're actually taking some scientific and business input to come up with this he does yeah governor baker has actually moved very uh deliberately um with this which is i use that phrase deliberately to be a combination of thoughtful and slow um he has taken a small bit of heat from people who some people in the state who wanted him to reopen sooner. Uh, There are large numbers who also think that we should be and not in any rush, but he has had a 
advisory group of, I think, about 20 or so people from various disciplines, um, from the universities that are so prominent in Massachusetts, uh, from some retailers and restaurant groups, from some hospital groups, chambers of commerce, um, voices like that. Uh, there is a whole separate operating group to help develop plans about when to reopen the schools, which we have not even touched in our reopening plan that he announced today. That is a bridge that we have to cross next, but it remains in the future. Um, and then within that big group of 20 or so for how do we reopen the whole economy, I know there are smaller working groups for restaurants, for um, retail and whatnot. They kind of trickle up their views to the main group of 20 who then advise and report to the governor. And that's been going on for at least about three weeks or so. And I, I know that they're still continuing to meet and work for the foreseeable future. Um, so it's a lot like what we have seen with other states, um, with the exception of Georgia, where they just shotgunned, hey, we're all open a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I know that we're following the basic model of most other states. I Again, I don't know that any other state has an attestation requirement, and I don't know where that came from. Um, but if anybody else has any insights, I'd be curious to hear it. Matt, has there been any discussion that you're aware of around opening of professional sports? No, that is a good point that I have not talked about. I haven't heard about that. Um, I mean, no, I know that the sporting groups are holding their own councils and conclaves to figure out how they should do that. I do not believe the Red Sox or the Celtics or anybody else were part of the reopening committee here in Massachusetts. I might be wrong, but um, that has not really come up as part of the discussion of the reopening, which has been a big discussion in this state for at least a week or so as we've been building up to the big reveal of the plans yesterday. Um, but we haven't really talked yet about uh, professional sports. You know, if they want to have a game with no fans in Fenway Park, that would be weird, but I suppose that's fine. Back in the 80s, when the team stunk, nobody showed up at Fenway Park anyway, so it's not like we're, we're not used to it if we're Red Sox fans of a certain age know what that's like. Well, Matt, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but this has been a fascinating exploration of Massachusetts, the state of Massachusetts, and really its cutting-edge requirement for an attestation around uh, sanitary conditions for COVID-19 and coronavirus. We will definitely keep a watch on this, and hopefully if uh, new developments come up, we can uh, chat about it again. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like explored on this podcast, please shoot me an email at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, as a call to action, I would ask if you could to please tell one of your friends about the podcast so we can spread the word out about the newest podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. Also, if you would leave us a rating on iTunes or a review, it would greatly help get this word out about this most important podcast over the next several months. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me for our next episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This podcast is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.